Hello, Birds fans, Philly fans, and football lovers. Welcome to From a Fan's Perspective, the Birds podcast. Before we get started today, I'd like to just start off with if you're listening on a podcast application, Spotify, Anchor, whatever it may be, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And then any of your thoughts, just tweet us at From a Fan Pod. We have a Facebook page, From a Fan Pod. You'll see content on FromAFanPod.com throughout the season and leading up to the season. We'll get a little bit more content going on there. Um, But anywhere you want to follow, just follow us and make it known that you're following us. I'd like to hear from all of you. This week, I want to just get right down to business. It was the Minnesota versus Philadelphia game that I just finished watching, and I'm a little bit defeated by it. It was It's a week where the Eagles were going in 3-2, and two, tied with the Dallas Cowboys, and Minnesota is also 3-2 and two at this point. They're visiting Minnesota in Minnesota where the Eagles won the Super Bowl. They're a underdog by 3.5 points. And this was the part of the season that this 3-2 and two Eagles team, and specifically a journeyman linebacker, who hasn't done anything spectacular for this team yet, and a team that has given up 275 yards passing per game, Zach Brown I'm talking about, he decided to talk smack to the media during the week about the Vikings' weakest link on offense being Kirk Cousins. So you can guess what happened in this game. We all know what happened in this game. And while... From a fan's perspective, I don't disagree with the sentiment that Cousins is the le- the lesser element of the Vikings offense. I don't think that it's because it's a lack of skill or he's some schlep like Luke Falk. It's rather, there is a ton of talent on this Vikings offense. They have Dalvin Cook, Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, Adam Thielen. I mean, when you put him next to those guys, yes, he is the weakest link, but somebody has to get those guys the ball and Kirk Cousins actually does a decent job of doing that, and he's done a decent job of doing that when he was in Washington and now in Minnesota. But giving a team bulletin material like that is just unnecessary. It's clear that Kirk Cousins is, quote-unquote, the weakest link on the Vikings, but it's, again, not because of his lack of talent. He's a serviceable and very good quarterback in the NFL, so I'm not sure if it was Zach Brown feeling big for stopping the ever-threatening Luke Falk the week before, and being on their high horses that they beat the 0-4 Jets. Uh, I'm not sure what really sparked this, but Zach Brown, who isn't even a leader, decided to say in the media that Kirk Cousins was the weakest link. And it's unfair because he's putting the rest of his teammates to the test, and he's not even a leader on this defense. If it was Malcolm Jenkins who came out as the leader of the defense and said something like that, I think it would be a little different because he's the leader of not only the defense, but that secondary. And it's him then as a leader putting to the test, putting his players to the test to stand up to this offense who is high powered, who is going to be throwing the ball a lot. And then when they're not throwing the ball, they're going to be hitting you in the face with Dalvin Cook. And that would be Malcolm Jenkins saying, we're ready for this challenge. We can do this. Let's go, guys. Get behind me. But when it's Zach Brown, who isn't even a leader on the team, in any capacity, and now he's talking about Kirk Cousins being the weakest link, who is a proven NFL quarterback, where Zach Brown is barely a proven linebacker. He's provoking a passing attack because the Vikings are going to want to just prove him wrong. And guess who hardly has to drop back into coverage in this game? Zach Brown. He's a linebacker. He's not going to be covering Stephon Diggs. He's not going to be covering Adam Thielen. He's going to be covering the slant routes and the tight ends. He's not getting the speedy receivers downfield. And 
that's exactly what happened in this game. And after this game, Zach Brown was cut, which I think was rightfully so. It was odd because he played the entire game, and going into the game, the Eagles knew his comments. But I can't disagree with the final result. He might have been the first one being exposed this year as a problematic player in the locker room. So I was actually okay with letting him go, especially knowing how the season ends up now. And it probably was a cut that was meant to be a spark to the locker room. And let's kind of like regroup here and get things together. But like I said, in this game, we saw the Eagles get torched by a speedy receiver again. It was Stefan Diggs this time. He walked out with three touchdowns and I don't even know how many yards. Uh, it doesn't matter. It was a lot. Thielen had one touchdown, and he should have had two, but Mike Zimmer decided not to review a pass that he got in the corner of the end zone. Sidney Jones just got beat by every receiver in this game. He is fast enough to cover the speed, but he's just never in position to actually make a play on the ball or keep them from catching the ball. He, he'll run side by side with you, but he just can't get in position. And then Razul Douglas is always in better position, but when it's a speed receiver coming at him and he has to play press coverage, he's just not quick enough to keep up on when he has to turn his hips and get around to full speed sprint. Uh, so these guys are the reason that the secondary was in the state it was in 2019. And it's just something that Razul just needs to cover a smaller portion of the field. He can't be covering somebody that is running past him every play. And in this game, unfortunately, it was either put him on Sidney Jones's side, meaning Stefan Diggs, or then putting him on Razul Douglas's side who just can't get keep up. And and it's just something that they struggled with all year. It, it got a little better when Jalen Mills came back, but it's something that I'm hoping in 2020, the guys that they brought in, especially Roby Coleman and Darius Slay, I know will step it up a little bit, but I want... Kayvon Wallace, and I want Will Parks to really show, and Roby Coleman to show that they can take this to the next level. I know I'm saying that over and over every week, but it's as I'm watching these games, it's a glaring, glaring problem that this deep ball is what beats the Eagles' defense every game. And I'm putting myself through misery just re-watching these games, having to re-watch deep ball after deep ball. But it's a game where the Eagles also decided that Maybe they were inspired by getting beat by a bunch of trick plays already this year, or maybe they just wanted to re-spark the Super Bowl trick play. At the end of the second half or second quarter, with a 10-point deficit, they decided to do a fake field goal, and the Vikings were ready for it. There was no chance. Jake Elliott had about a 0.5-second window where he could have gotten the, gotten the ball to the outside, but... The Vikings were ready, and a lot of people were wondering why the Vikings were so ready, and I knew why. I can tell you why right away, and I have a tweet to prove it. Um, on the 97.5 Morning Show, Trey Thomas was wondering the same thing. Why, why were they so ready? So I tweeted in, and I told him, when you watch the replay, look at Jake Elliott's eyes as he's lining up. He's lining up. He's looking, doing his normal process, looking at the field, trying to do his steps, looks up, uses his arm to aim at the goalposts, and then as soon as he stops that, he glances to the left to look at the left edge and see who's out there. When have you ever seen a kicker do that when they're just lining up a kick? You never do. The only time you see that is on a fake. So right away, if the Vikings were paying attention, they saw that, and they knew that it was coming. So now we have a team who 
won a Super Bowl on a fake play, and they must have lost their touch because they can't execute their own trick plays even, and they can't defend against anyone else's trick plays. And that'll be a, a theme that we see coming up in a couple other games here too. But outside of the terribleness of this game, Miles Sanders is again having a great rookie season, and he found holes in the Vikings' defense, and Wentz found him in those holes, and it was both in the passing attack and the running attack, more so the passing attack in this game. But I'm really excited to see year two of that duo. Wentz and Sanders are going to have great careers together if they both stay in Philadelphia for their entire career. I think that they'll be a great combination here. And then Boston Scott in this game got his first taste of an NFL game. And it's somebody that we'll be hearing more of throughout the rest of the 2019 season. And definitely in 2020, he's going to be a key to the Eagles running game because right now it's Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Corey Clement. I expect to hear a lot more from Boston Scott, and I'm excited about that too. Jeffrey got 76. Outside of him, the rest of the receivers were non-existent. Aguilar watched a couple passes drop to his feet, and every time the ball was coming his way, it seemed like he was looking for a flag before the ball. And to be fair, there were a couple plays where there should have been a pass interference call specifically in the third quarter where Wentz threw a beautiful pass down the sideline again it was the quintessential touchdown or long pass interference play and this one looked like it was going to be the long pass interference play because Aguilar got dragged to the ground before the ball even got there and it was right in front of the referee and there was no flag and it happened a couple other times with the same cornerback in coverage where he was pulling people to the ground and the refs just weren't calling it. It was kind of a surprise to me on that specific play with Aguilar that there was no flag, but I'm not going to blame the refs at all for this game because this game was lost on the defensive side of the ball. The fact that the Eagles, again on offense, went away from the run was another reason that they didn't do well in this game. They had 22 rushes versus 41 passes, and I understand you're down, so you want to pass the ball to get back, but they were within four at one point in the game. And to capitalize on that, they had to run the ball, eat up some clock, and this game doesn't get as out of hand. They have to learn to tire the defense down because until you do that, your third and fourth tier receivers will never get open. And I just am exhausted from watching this game, and it was a rough game. It's not even that I can't believe that they lost the game. I honestly wouldn't have expected them to go to Minnesota in week six and win this game. It was an uninspiring loss because there really weren't any amazing plays on defense. There's nothing that you can hang your cap on and say, well, we at least did that. I guess the one thing would be, again, stopping Dalvin Cook. But even when he got to the outside, he he was able to run for first downs very easily without getting touched. But with this, the Eagles still were tied for first in the NFC East because the Dallas Cowboys did lose to the New York Jets in week six. And I'm not going to say, oh, the the Jets that were 0-4 beat the Cowboys because they played a di- little bit different of a Jets team than the Eagles did. Sam Darnold was back for the Cowboys game. So I think it's a little unfair to compare the Luke Falk game of the Eagles versus the Sam Darnold game against the Cowboys. This is the beginning of the entire season where the Eagles and Cowboys are just, they're going to continue to go back and forth here for the first spot. And every time one team has an opportunity, the other team's just going to give it back to the other team. So 
it was an interesting season when it comes to that. And one thing that I didn't cover last week is week five, the Eagles will be playing Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Steelers are equipped to be a challenge for the Eagles because they still have a great receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster. They have James Conner in the running game. Their defense, as always, is a good defense. I think that this game is going to be a tough one on the road, especially following up playing San Francisco on the road. I think the Eagles will end up losing this game as well, and it will be a kind of, not a blowout, but they're going to lose by double digits. It's not going to be a game that Eagle fans are happy to watch. And the tough thing about that is they follow up playing the Steelers at at Pittsburgh to play the Baltimore Ravens at home. They're going to play Lamar Jackson here and... I'm really interested for this game. I think that this will be the first home game that the Eagles have where they'll be playing a playoff contender other than maybe the Rams. But I think the Eagles fans will be able to see this this Ravens team and really determine where the rest of this season is going. In week six, you should be pretty clear on what your team's doing. At this point, I would have the Eagles at three and two. So it's also a game where we're going to find out, are they going to stay above 500 or are they going to go back to the 2019 season where they're going back and forth between one game above 500 at 500 one game below 500 we really get to see what this team is about they'll be coming off a couple games on the road get to be back at home and playing a very difficult opponent though I think that we all know how good the Ravens are but this is also a game that I mark on the schedule as being a challenge but it's also one of those games where the Eagles do step up it reminds me of the Packers game from 2019 where they're going in and they're a underdog as far as the amount of skill and like even the Eagles weaknesses on defense match up very well or very poorly with the Ravens offensive strength so I kind of see the Ravens as being favored in this game even though they're on the road but the Eagles are going to come out of this one it'll be a shootout I think Lamar Jackson is going to run all over the place he's going to get the ball where he needs to get to but Wentz is going to step up if Deshaun Jackson and Marquise Goodwin are both healthy it's going to be a downfield attack it's going to be wheel routes to Sanders and he's running in open space and it's going to be all about the big play just like every other game where the Eagles have a chance so I see that happening and I'll put the Eagles to win that game by a field goal so they'll end up being four and two after week six which is a big change from 2019 and this week I'm not going to do a from a fan's perspective I think there is a lot going on in the world and it's crossing over to sports with all of the advocates who have have come out and spoken on behalf of the world issues right now. Jeffrey Lurie, Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz, Malcolm Jenkins. We heard from all of them and we got their perspectives. So I'm going to just let you explore other people's perspectives this week as it's a topic that everybody does need to listen. That would be my one comment on it. But everybody stay safe and thanks for listening.